The Grand Life is a marketing affiliate for More Than Grand, a resource center on the web for those who want to become MVP's most valuable grandparents. The founder of More Than Grand, Dee Dee Moore, has been a guest on this podcast because she brings great ideas, coaching, good questions, some hard ones, and even signs and graphics that can help you create strong and enduring bonds with your grandchild. Visit the online shop, use the code GRANDLIFE, that's one word, and get 10% off your order of grandparenting resources at morethangrand.com. If someone has an issue with you and they're telling everyone except you, they don't have a real issue with you. They just enjoy the attention they get from talking about you. I saw this quote on Facebook recently and I wondered if this resonated with any of you. How many times have you been on the phone with one of your adult children who needs to vent about their sibling? How often do you talk about your husband or wife to one of your adult children? I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we talk with a psychologist about the issues of triangulation and gossip. What is the difference? Are both of them bad things? And how can we avoid being sucked into one or both of those scenarios? This can happen easily when it comes to talking with or about our family members, including our adult children and our grandchildren. And if it's happening, how do we go about making it stop? Dr. Emily Williams is a licensed psychologist and owner of Silver Maple Psychology, a private practice in Indianapolis, Indiana. She helps high-achieving, stressed-out women in their 40s and 50s tackle their to-do list while effectively navigating relationships with their children, partners, and aging parents. Dr. Williams is a working mother of three, and welcome to The Grand Life, Dr. Williams. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I'm going to call you Emily now because I know you from our time in Indianapolis. So, um, Emily, uh, we are excited about talking about this very sensitive topic. We've put it off for a long time. And I have to tell you, we as a family struggle with this problem and we want to hear some ideas for helping us through it. And what we're talking about today is triangulation. I know it sounds a little bit like strangulation, but <laughs> maybe you can you can tell us what the term really means, and if it's the same or different from gossip. Boy, this is a heavy topic. And also, I'm so glad because I think this is such an important topic when we're talking about intergenerational families and family systems. Mm -hmm. So the term triangulation originally comes from family systems theory, and its official definition is, and the way you can remember it is, it's a triangle. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a process that occurs when a third person is introduced into a relationship of two. Let's say you um, are a mother and your two children are fighting. Mm -hmm. He hit me. And all of a sudden somebody yells, mom, immediately you have a triangle. Okay. Two children and mother. And the purpose of bringing in that triangle is to balance or diffuse conflict. Um, if it's too intimate or they need to, you need to have balance. So it's a good thing or a bad thing? Actually, it is neutral. Oh. Um, all family systems have triangles. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes there's conflict or we need help. We need advice. As a therapist, I am often a point person in the triangle. Okay. The trick is when it becomes stuck. When you have a rigid triangle and then then the conflict or the connection between the two main folks mm -hmm. um, is always there's always a third person in it. Mm. So what if it let's let's take for example 
uh, two siblings and mm-hmm. uh, and we're talking, let's talk adult siblings and a, and a mother or a mother-in-law. What happens, and, and I'm thinking mostly because we don't all live together, where this is happening on a telephone or in, in FaceTime or when we're together on vacation. Emily, this is entirely theoretical, right? Yes, entirely. Hi- hypothetical? <laughs> entirely. Yes. Okay, uh, go ahead. Just, I just wanted to establish that so, while you're going. Yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking this is triangulation is more like, I'm glad you're here because I, I, I thought it was something more like gossiping, like you've got two people, siblings, talking about their mother. So the two siblings are talking back and forth on a telephone and Mm -hmm. then the mother's not there but they're talking about her but that's maybe that's more like gossip there you go um so so i'll I'll get back to the what to do on the family vacation yeah but to answer your question like the difference between triangulation and and gossiping is that gossip is just basically it's a form of communication where um people are talking and usually it's to bond with other people Mm -hmm. and most gossip is actually neutral Hmm. Um, what's my friend? You know, what are you what have you been up to lately? How's mom? There's a lot of neutrality where gossip and triangulation intersect or overlap mm-hmm. is usually that negative, like that got the negative gossip. Somebody got hurt. Someone got hurt. Offended. Someone's upset. There's conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so th- those are some of the differences. OK, um, huh. so in the example you were talking about triangulation can be helpful, but oftentimes why that happens and becomes such a conflict and problem within families is that it gets stuck and the problem that people are talking about never gets resolved or you never go back to the person with whom you're having conflict. Mm. So it sounds like I'm not triangulating if I don't go solicit that third person to come into the conversation or into the discussion or into the into the conflict. Otherwise, it's it's just conversation and maybe it's gossip. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, you are an advocate. If you're the part of the triangle and you're a counselor, you're an advocate in that triangle. Yes. But if we've not been asked to be an advocate or asked to be involved in it, we just kind of insert ourselves, then that becomes mm-hmm. a problem, right? Or if by, let's say, you're talking with one of your adult children on the phone. Mm-hmm. And your adult child is like, oh, my gosh, I don't understand what Sarah is doing. I, I, I Did you see how she parented? And da, da, da. Mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're being pulled in mm-hmm. to a triangle. Yeah. And, and, and so oftentimes where we have problems are um, the lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, if you get pulled in and you start to respond, all of a sudden you have a triangle. Yeah. And now you're part of the conflict or the problem between Sarah and her sibling. So this is a problem that I that I've experienced many times and I've experienced as an adult with my own mother because my mom is still alive with my sisters and my mother. And also I see it with my my daughters or my son and me or Michael. What happens is I get very uncomfortable when one of the kids starts talking about the other kid. All I ever want to say is, well, I love both of you. Like that, I try to explain to the other one. Yeah, I might not do that if she were my sister, but I do that because she's my daughter. Because if I start to take sides, then it gets really messy. 
And you said something very, very important, which I think for your listeners is an important key, is that when you were invited into that conversation and you had that physical sensation of discomfort, Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's anxiety or that cringe, we want to pull away. That's often a sign that our boundaries are being violated Mm. or that a boundary is needed. Yeah. So in this example, it might be, you know, daughter, I, I hear that you are really concerned and struggling with your sister. I love you both. And I feel sure that you're going to work it out. Mm, so hand it back. I might not be the best. I might not be the best person to, to touch base with this on <laughs> because I have a vested interest in both of you. And I think you're delightful. Yes. And, and, <laughs> and that is where I struggle because and I think listeners will feel this, too. I, I want to push it back. I want to give it back to them. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't want to sound like I don't care or I don't empathize with their feeling about something. So I do feel caught. But there yeah. is a kink in it. And you want yes. to straighten that kink out as you hand it back over to them, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. And I think that this, as a mother who has younger children, my theory, this is not scientific at all, but my theory on it is that because these are our children, where at one point in time, we did have two children or four children in our home mm-hmm. navigating all of this, yeah. that that that's encoded into us. And we often feel pulled mm-hmm. to help ease the way, forgetting that our children are now adults mm-hmm. who are capable of working in corporations and, and they deal with conflict and they negotiate all the time. Yeah. So they actually most likely do have the skill sets needed, but we feel pulled <laughs> as parents. Oh, but Emily, it doesn't look like they're using those skills. That's the thing. <laughs> well, you know how it gets so ugly with your own family. I mean, it's so different than when you're working in corporations and stuff. It can get really ugly. I, I mean, I feel very fortunate that um, with our four children and even their spouses, we are talking constantly about boundaries and what it means to have boundaries and how we're hitting up against each other's boundaries. I mean, boundaries is such an interesting concept that didn't even seem to exist when we were kids or when when I was in relationship as a younger mother, my 40s with my mother, I didn't even understand the concept of boundaries, unfortunately. <laughs> I would say one of our adult children, it really champions that idea and has gotten the others to see the merits in it or see the value in it. And mm-hmm. so later on, I'm I'm going to try to remember to ask you this question when we get closer to the end about uh, what boundaries need to be set up. What are some maybe guidelines for for establishing those boundaries? But before we get to that, One of the things that Emily pointed out is that we do have these conversations with our adult children. We do talk to and about each other in a fairly liberal, flexible way. And we have to wonder sometimes, do we just need to stop that altogether? Do we have to stop talking about each other? What would we have left? (laughs) I mean, actually, I agree. I mean, I liked what you said at the beginning. (laughs) The triangulation is like, could be neutral. So what are the key ingredients of neutral talk about Uh, each other? There you go. That's a great question. Um, So to answer that, we have to go back to uh, discussion around boundaries, actually. Like what is okay information to share? Mm -hmm. And and this is true with our children, our partners, anyone. Like when someone shares information with you, you know, and you might say, okay, is this is this for public family consumption? What of this do you want to keep versus not? And I think that clarity is often not something we think about, Mm -mm. Um, often because we assume, I I know I do this, 
sometimes we assume that my boundaries are your boundaries. Right. Especially within families Mm -hmm. where we think, well, we have a similar family code. We grew up together. But the reality is, especially with adult children who marry and join with other family systems, you're going to see so many varieties. Oh, yes. What is okay and what isn't. Boundaries are like, to me, sometimes like secondhand smoke. Like somebody puts up a boundary and says, I do not want this in my life. But the other person either does want it or or has a different kind of boundary. And so they're like, well, you're infringing on my boundary. So then it's it's like this boundary versus boundary. And it's, it's kind of complicated because it's, I mean, to me, it's like we've been talking more about this in our family. It has to be in context. Like, what does this person find important in a boundary. And now we're talking about negotiation of boundaries. There you go. Yeah. And and this is true in any relationship where um, I want to go to bed at nine and my partner wants to go to bed at midnight. But how do we negotiate that? <laughs> um, and so really talking with our family members pretty openly mm-hmm. because even though we may all be from the same family, even within your own family, for example, Mm -hmm. they all have different levels of extroversion and introversion, Mm -hmm. different levels of what information they feel comfortable sharing. Mm -hmm. And so all of that needs to be negotiated and discussed. We don't have to love their boundaries, but we often need to respect them Mm -hmm. and, and negotiate and try to come to an understanding. And oftentimes that has to happen ahead of time. Yeah. Otherwise, Sometimes we discover people's boundaries when we step on them. Yes. Yeah. Get on a family vacation and and somebody's expecting one thing and another person's expecting something else. And it's like, wait a minute, this is kind of messing with our fun family vacation. Absolutely. Because everybody had implicit expectations mm-hmm. for what was going to happen, which are those boundaries of what is okay and what isn't okay. And they didn't articulate it. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have a mess. Yeah. Wow. It, it, there's a lot there. I I don't know how many families are healthy enough to be having those good conversations. Um, What do you think, Mike? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of families that couldn't handle that. Well, I was just going to say whether they have the ability to do so or not, this is daunting and it feels from a distance a little exhausting. If I think about being, um, being an unenlightened male whose priorities may not include interpersonal skills, but who is accustomed to working in a kind of directive way and expects compliance from the people around him in the family. This sounds like either not worth the effort or completely out of, you know, beyond my reach. If I think about it as an enlightened male where interpersonal skills are uh, important and expected and our millennial kids, male and female, have grown well beyond where I was at their ages, you know, now, then it's a new way of doing things. It's like changing the way you parent. It's like changing the way you give advice. It's like all these things that we talk about have been talking about for years on the grand life Yeah, that are part of the kit called intentional grandparenting. Mm-hmm. 
especially hearing it and thinking, oh my goodness, now I need to think about this person's thoughts and feelings and what's okay. And now yeah, I've got, which, like, I, I imagine a Venn diagram with yes. 12 <laughs> different circles and yes. you're trying to find that center and you just want to go take a nap. <laughs> um, yeah. So to that, I would say um, that it kind of comes back down to First of all, we have to be very gentle with ourselves. Mm. When we're trying to do this, we are not going to get it right. This is not about being a perfect parent or grandparent. This we're going to step and mess up, and and it's really more about remembering I love you. You know, remembering I love you. I want to understand. I I want to to connect, and that it's going to be messy as we navigate different generations different standards, different Mm -hmm. ways of being. Mm -hmm. And it takes time and it is constantly evolving. So the number one tip I give to my clients and I will give to families listening is give the most generous assumption you can possibly give to your children, to your grandchildren, to your in-laws that when they say to you, oh, I'm not okay with that. We, We only eat... Yes. You know, only white foods <laughs> or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> that the most generous assumption is that they're really trying to do what's best for themselves and their family. Yes. Yes. And that, I agree. And that allows us to come from a place of love and, and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I mean, that that actually harkens back to a podcast we did with about Dr. Becky. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Becky, yes. but the whole idea of most generous interpretation. And I have to say that to myself all the time. And even with my own husband, you know, what is the most generous interpretation of whatever he why he was motivated to do such and such or why did he ask that or whatever? And I have to just remind myself of that all the time, because that is not the way I grew up. That was not the way I was viewed by my parents, nor was it the way I would saw that modeled by my parents. So it's, it's a very, it's a very big stretch. So with all these complicated dance steps, what are some that we can take away from this conversation as families to prevent the triangulation, the, the bad kind of triangulation? That's a great question. Harkening back to Dr. Becky, I'm going to say that that most generous interpretation Mm -hmm. is a wonderful place to start Mm -hmm. with any relationship. We've got to remember that these are our children. We love these people. And this is as Brene Brown says, they are not trying to annoy us on purpose just to make us mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so true. Um, So remembering that and then also being curious. If... If in any kind of relationship, I can slow down my judgment, my fear, my frustration long enough to be really curious to try to understand where they're coming from, then my children will feel heard and validated. And that doesn't mean that I agree with whatever boundary or need that they set. It's just I'm understanding, oh, they feel a need to set this to protect themselves. It's Mm. not meant to shut me out. Yeah, that's really helpful. That's a big one for me. Yeah. I, I respond too quickly, and I and I do need to slow down. Take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And actually, one of the reasons why boundaries and setting them can go so awry in families is that many people feel that a boundary is a way of disconnecting someone 
But in reality, we need boundaries for everything. We couldn't do this podcast in an open air format. Yeah. Because there'd be too much sound and we might not feel comfortable. And and so oftentimes we need the walls of a room to, to create that sense of intimacy and connection. Yeah, good point. And so thinking back to our boundaries as a form of protection. And then as parents, when we're working and trying to understand it, we can be very curious. Hmm. Um, I like that. That's really great. You know, I wanted to talk today about enmeshment, but there's not enough time. So we're going to have to have you back because I think we're going to get a good response. I think people are very interested in this. And the other, man, there's another whole thing I want to talk about at some point. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff about grandparents just keeping their mouth shut, not saying anything to their children about the parenting that they're doing or whatever. That's a conversation for another episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And I would I would be delighted to come back. This is, is really Great. wonderful. And I really do want to let both of you know that it is such an honor to be talking with people who are so invested in doing this well. Aww. I see so many people in, in my own work who don't have parents and, and grandparents who want to foster and keep these connections. Yeah. And I just, thanks. I, I just applaud you. Oh, thank you. Thank Do- you for all you do. Yeah. Dr. Williams, thanks for joining us on The Grand Life and we will hear back from you soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I know I've said this before as I age, I just want to keep evolving into a better version of myself. And our talk with Dr. Williams has given me courage to keep pursuing a practice of keeping quiet about my opinions of others. It is easy, especially if you grew up in an environment of unhealthy gossip or triangulation, to just keep on doing it. It almost feels empty when it's not there. But I am realizing with age that empty spaces in conversation aren't bad. In fact, They allow for listening and room to set aside judgment and let something just be, without commentary, without dissection, but with acceptance and love. Well, that's what I think we're all striving for in the end, right? I mean, we're we're just figuring out ways to to love one another better and and to let our children handle things on their own. Like Dr. Williams said, they are adults. They can advocate. They can navigate. They can negotiate for themselves. Yeah, I'm interested in talking with Dr. Williams more, maybe about other kinds of family issues that come up. If you're interested in more topics like this, please write to us on Facebook. You can leave posts there or email us if you'd prefer at grandlifeconnection, all one word, at gmail.com. This episode will be our last for a few weeks. We have a journey of several weeks just ahead of us, so it's not a matter of a hiatus or recharge time. It's just life getting in the way. So in that time, maybe think about what observations and challenges you are facing as a grandparent. It might be that a back episode of this podcast could give you some comfort or maybe an idea or two on becoming a more intentional, wholehearted grandparent. Take a spin through our 132 episodes so far on your favorite podcast platform or app. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thank you for joining us in living the grand life. Grand life.